The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of the Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is with a living legend within punk and hardcore, Keith Morris, vocalist of Black Flag, Circle Jerks, and Off. Keith's been really busy this year. Circle Jerks recently put out some awesome reissues on Trust Records of their first two albums, Group Sex and Wild in the Streets. They come with really cool liner notes, bonus tracks, and a lot of other cool stuff. And Circle Jerks recently wrapped up a 40th anniversary tour supporting those reissues with 7 Seconds and Negative Approach. They've also got a show with The Misfits on New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, Off have a new album called Free LSD, and they're working on an accompanying film of the same name, which features members of Dead Kennedys, The Jesus Lizard, and more. They were also supposed to head out on a lengthy tour, and this podcast was actually recorded while that tour was still set to happen, but it was unfortunately just postponed due to drummer Justin Brown being hospitalized. So stay tuned for further updates on that and go check out Off's new record, Free LSD. If you know anything about Keith, you probably know that he's very outspoken and he did not mince words at all as we talked about everything from CIA conspiracy theories to punks versus hippies to Fleetwood Mac, The Grateful Dead, The Doors, Metallica, Laurel Canyon Bands, LSD, and a lot of other stuff that came up throughout our conversation. It was a very, very interesting chat. Keith had a ton to say. Here it is. What's for lunch? What are you having? What are What are you having delivered for lunch? Oh well, I'm on the East Coast. It's actually about dinner time, uh, but I made myself a salad for lunch. Okay, what well, that's eating? great. What, what were the ingredients? <laughs> uh, it was just uh, mixed greens, cucumber, tomato, green pepper, and uh, jalapeno pepper. Oh, that's an interesting mix. Yeah, I kind of I love spicy food, so I went for like kind of simple, but just then threw the jalapenos on. So. I'm going to tell you about spicy food because I love jalapenos and I love Mexican food. I ate something spicy. It gave me um, a throat infection. For, oh, boy. Yeah. And it spread to my ear. But I got to the bottom of it this morning with my doctor because um, it was getting very uncomfortable. I was having a difficult time swallowing. So I'm supposed to go on a Z-Pack. Oh, wow. So this is like very, very recent. Like right now. <laughs> Damn. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I hope, uh, I, are you still allowed to eat spicy food going forward or are they? Uh... told me no spicy food for two days. Okay. <laughs> it's not that bad. Could be worse. Yes, it could be. All right. Well, uh, how are you today, Keith, besides the uh, throat infection? Um, I've been up since about 4.30 this morning. So I'm a little tired. I went to um, get a couple of prescriptions and one of them couldn't be filled because they didn't have it. 
And this was, they got the facts for it like yesterday morning. So they should have gone ahead and ordered it. And now I've got to wait a day on that. And then I've got to go back for the Z pack. Um, I've, I, I've got an, another interview after we get through and, um, I start up on the Z pack and it's, it's, it's non-infectious and she said that I, I could kiss my girlfriend. So I like that. It's always a plus. All right. How are so you doing? Uh, I, I'm all right. I, I'm kind of getting over something. So I might sound a little stuffy, um, but I'm all right. I'm excited to talk. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I have lined up. I think it should be a really fun conversation. Um, so uh, let's jump into that. Uh, so you, you've been having a busy year. You, uh, you finally took Circle Jerks on tour in support of some new reissues, 40th anniversary of the band. Uh, now you got a new off record and an off tour is on the way. Um, how are you feeling about finally getting all this stuff out there? <clears throat> well, it's actually really exciting and very grueling at the same time. But... I, I don't mind because I like being busy. I like keeping busy. You know, the Circle Jerks just got back from Australia. We, we played eight shows with Pennywise over in Australia, and that was great. Um, we, we won't do anything until the end of December. We're going to play three dates in December. Mm-hmm. Now, off, on the other hand, Dimitri's still editing the movie as we speak. He's editing right now. Um, We um, were submitted for Slamdance Film Festival, and we are going to be... I I, want to say we're going to be closing night, part of the closing night, hopefully, ceremony, um, sir, or ceremonies. Um, so the movie that accompanies the album that just got released about a week and a half ago will be ready to go, hopefully by the middle of the year. Awesome. 23. Awesome. So what what exactly uh, does the movie entail? How much are you allowed to say at the moment? Well. Um, the really cool thing that's happening with the movie and the record is they kind of go hand in hand. There's scenes in the movie that dictated some of the lyrics for the album and there's subject, subject material on the album that dictated some of the scenes in the movie and the movie um, David Yao from the Jesus Lizard plays the bonus. He he plays the boner doctor. Um, uh, we have D. H. Pellegro from the Dead Kennedys. He plays our drummer. Oh, let's see who else do we have? We have um, Autry, who's the new bass player in Off. We have Dimitri, who's the guitar player in Off, and myself. Um, we, we have, 
um, my friend S.A. Griffin, who is um, a really happening poet and sometimes actor, plays Dimitri's dad. We have a, a, a really cute girl named Chelsea Debo playing my love interest and one of the aliens in the movie because it is a science fiction movie but it's also a love movie and it's also based on some CIA conspiracies it's also based on um the plight of the everyday guy just getting by and um not being able to fulfill all of his dreams and just living like a mundane lifestyle. There are a lot of different angles in this movie. Well, it sounds awesome. I uh, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be is fun. It... Awesome. Is it also called Free LSD? Or yes, is it, it is. Not... Yes. Tell, tell me a little bit about that title, by the way. Where, does, where did that come from? Well, we had a situation here. I'm in Southern California. I'm in East Hollywood, uh, better known as Los Feliz, but it's all called Los Angeles. And we had a situation where we had a group of bands come out of Laurel Canyon. They just magically appeared. Uh, Frank Zappa, Buffalo Springfield, Love, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash were from up there. Steppenwolf, um, Arthur Lee and Love, Mamas and Papas. Um, it, it, it It was as if Somebody had snapped their fingers, and now all of a sudden, here are all of these bands. Where are these bands going to play? Somebody snaps their fingers. All of a sudden, there's like six different clubs on Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard, the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, for all of these bands to play. And who's going to show up? This is a new. This is a new musical movement here in Southern California. There's a, an extremely large teenage population, young people's population. And the CIA ends up passing out like 400 million hits of free LSD. And the whole purpose is to keep the youth population in Southern California under control, like mind control. That's where it came from. So, so I was think, I kind of like how, you know, without knowing that backstory, I kind of like how you can interpret it like free LSD like that, as in like here is free LSD. But it also kind of sounds like free LSD, like decriminalize it, you know, like like free it. Well freedom, being happy, enjoying yourself. There's not a lot of that going on now. You know, we we have all of these politicians on either side. It seems as if um, 
a lot of them have a, uh, a, a protocol or um, they just want to make people's lives miserable. It's almost as if they're being paid by us to hold us down and slap us around and just take take away a lot of the stuff that we love. Take away a lot of our pleasure and enjoyment. Can you hear the fire? Yeah, no, I can hear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I I live by a, an extremely busy corner. Mm. I get fire trucks around by me too, like and ambulances also. Well, I I have a fire station like uh, right here. I can mm-hmm. throw a baseball and hit it. Mm. Well, it gives the podcast character. So, well, then uh, hopefully the heli- <laughs> the emergency helicopter, because um, I'm under the I'm also under an emergency helicopter flight path to the children's hospital, which is I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the 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 helipad from here sitting on my couch Mm -hmm. so hopefully maybe we'll get a couple of helicopters if we're lucky uh so you were saying about politicians well it's almost as if their agenda is just to fuck with us Mm -hmm. you know just to create problems for us not to solve problems for us not to make our lives easier, just keep us fighting amongst ourselves. And and while we're doing that, they're passing all of these bills and all of these laws that really don't benefit any of us. The, The pharmaceutical company a million dollars in my bank account i'm gonna every time uh any kind of a vote to lower prescription drug prices comes up i'm gonna vote i'm gonna vote no that that seems to be the the course for a, the the majority of a lot of these politicians well they want to drill oil in your backyard well hey power down and go for it, make all of the noise, bring in all of the crews because it's your backyard. It's not my backyard. I'm not going to let them drill in my backyard. Well, you know what you're saying? It reminds me a little bit of, do you know that, uh, that David Crosby quote from Monterey pop festival where he was like the politicians, like they should be taking LSD. Like, you know, maybe, you know, they would, uh, you know, stop acting the way they act if they would, you know, Chill out a little bit. Lighten up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being so uptight. There really aren't any politicians involved in our movie. I mean, we 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 could have we could have easily found people to play politicians if we had any any uh, scenes with anybody like that. The the um. I, I want to say the the major subject of the movie is us versus them. And when I say them, I don't mean the police. I don't mean authoritative figures. I mean 
um, evil aliens. Got it. Is, so is that's it a, the science fiction take? Mm-hmm. Is it like you know supposed to be metaphoric or? Um, the aliens are real. I um a lot of the subject material in our movie is based on a podcast that I did with my I did fifty episodes uh, with my friend Pete Weiss who used to play in a band called Thelonious Monster. He's my neighbor. One day we're uh, drinking coffee at the end of the block at the coffee shop, and somebody had said, "Pete, you and Keith, you you have this." You have this banter amongst yourselves that's, I've never heard anything like it. You should do a podcast. And so Pete says, Keith, you want to do a podcast? I said, sure, Pete. And he said, so what should we talk about? And I'm standing on the corner with my coffee while Pete's sitting on the bench at the picnic table with his friend and I'm looking up in the sky and I'm noticing all of the white stripes in the sky. And I said, Pete, let's do some research. Let's dig into what, what, what this really is because those aren't clouds. And here we are in the middle of the summertime. Those those aren't contrails because the it's too warm the weather is just too warm <clears throat> so we did the research and discovered i actually listened to um one of the big wigs from the cia get up in front of about 300 um news people and basically volunteered a bunch of information. We're spraying aluminum nanoparticles because we're trying to control the weather, which we're in Southern California. Why do you need to control the weather? Our weather basically um, for at least a hundred days out of the year is very pleasant, very mild. You know, we have our winter time and we have our rain and we have our cold days and sometimes there's some fog, but for the most part, our weather is pretty much the same just about all year round. Why would you want to control the weather? Later on, I would, uh, after we did the, the podcast, I would later read another report on how they're using these aluminum nanoparticles to reflect the the sun's rays okay so that's that's controlling the climate but at the same time they're also spraying these nanoparticles because we're in southern california california is one of the largest economies in the world we're the fifth the state of California is the fifth largest economy in the world. And that's because we have pornography. We grow, we grow grapes for wine. We grow almonds and avocados and oranges and lettuce and strawberries and blueberries and um, pistachios and walnuts. And we created the computer 
all that technology. We also have one of the largest groups of um, military industrial complex buildings where all of this stuff has taken place, all of this evil stuff has taken place, and everybody wants to get in on the technology. So the Chinese have their satellites flying overhead. You, you, you've seen the movies where the CIA is sitting in their dark room and they can see all of these people in these tiny little villages or out in the middle of the desert, the infra, infrared camera watching these, they're training terrorists and, um, you know, planting bombs and all, all of that kind of stuff. All of that stuff is real and the Chinese or their satellites with their infrared cameras are trying to see what's going on in our industrial buildings. What, what information can we steal without sending in a spy or what, what have you? All of that espionage garbage. So there's the CIA doing that. And they're spraying the stuff that's not good for human beings. But they don't care because they don't really care about us. We also, in our uh, research, I listened to um, a member of the U.S. Air Force step up and volunteer that we're spraying lithium. Like, why would you spray lithium on the population below, knowing that you're going to spray it up in the clouds, you're going to spray it up there, and it's going to fall to the earth, and we're going to ingest it however we ingest it, whether it's in the soil, whether it's in our food, whether the cows drink it in the water and we, we drink their milk. Uh, you know, it's just... It's really ridiculous. Why lithium? Well, the Germans, the Nazis, used lithium on the Jews in the concentration camps to keep them in line, to keep them, keep control over them. And then we just discovered they were spraying other things like barium over forests. See, now we have this situation when a forest fire breaks out. There was a point in time where a forest fire would break out and it would be, they would have it under control in two or three days. Like it, it could be, it could be out in two or three days. And now some of these forest fires last two, three, four weeks. You know, little pockets of, we, 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 we got to keep it contained. Otherwise, if it jumps the, if it jumps the freeway, there's going to be a whole tract home area burning up in flames. And barium is the basic ingredient to making something explode. <clears throat> 
So the 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 um, podcast we would dive into these conspiracy theories. Oh no, those aren't those those aren't chemtrails. Our government wouldn't spray us. Those are contrails. You know, in the middle of summertime. No, they're not. Um, we we went looking for uh, Bigfoot and the missing 411. And we went into a couple of the um, military uh, installations, Area 51. What are they doing at Area 51? Why do they not want anybody coming in there? Um, what about the, the guy who was at the Archuleta Mesa, which is another seven-level military superstructure, like where the the humans that work on level one, two, three, and four can't go to level five, six, seven because there's stuff going on there that nobody's supposed to know about. And then they discover the the baby bovine with a tiger's head. Then they discover dogs running along the highway faster than cars that are speeding at 80 miles an hour. Then they discover, the four nuns discover the uh, green hairy creature in the middle of the road one night at about one in the morning. But they, they can't tell anybody about it because they'll be accused of being alcoholics. Well, we can't go to the sheriff and we, we can't go to the preacher and the priest and the this guy and that guy because they'll all think we're out of our minds and that we're all drunk and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, we looked into... Um, the alien highway through the middle of America. You know, we have our Route 66 to get from the East Coast to the West Coast or the West Coast to the East Coast. And they have their highway that most of these places, wherever the aliens, wherever they see any of this type of stuff going on, are normally in areas where there's not a lot of people. That's why a lot of this stuff takes place out in the desert. They can kind of come and go as they please. So we went into that. We went into um, the murder of JFK and JFK Jr., who was also murdered. And we know who did that because he was going to... um, he had bowed out of this, JFK Jr. had bowed out of the senatorial race in New York so that Hillary Clinton could have that seat in the Senate. And if he had, if he had run, he would have crushed her. The Kennedys, they're untouchable. I mean, the, the newer batch of Kennedys, they're, one of the guys is just a really... He's a putz. Robert Kennedy's son is just, he's, he's a royal freakazoid. Um, <clears throat> so we went into that. We went into quite a few different things. Um, 
And some of these subjects and some of these episodes, there are things being said, there's things that I'm saying that Dimitri said, look, we're we're getting ready to write a new record. We're going to go to some different places. We're not just going to sing about, you like to sing about politics. You like to sing about how much you dislike politicians, whether it be Barack Obama, whether it be George W. Bush, whether it be Donald Trump. They're all just terrible people. They, they all have shit on their shoes. Anyways, <clears throat> Dimitri said, you've been doing this, this podcast. You have 50 episodes. Your lyrics are already there for you. Just start going back through there. Start writing down all of the stuff that interests you and moves you. And we're going to use that as subject material for the lyrics for the new album. And (coughs) some of it ended up uh, being part of the movie. Well, that's uh, that's heavy stuff. So I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Circles Jerks reissues. Um, they're on Trust Records, which seems like it's doing this really cool thing. I mean, the reissues look awesome. All these bonus tracks, liner notes. Um, how did the label get in touch with you? And what was your response when you saw what Trust was looking to do with like preserving all this punk history? Well, we're the guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Group Sex was the first record they released. And they did they did really, really well with it. Their whole vibe is that they want to be fair with the bands that they're putting out on their label. They don't want to see any SST skullduggery going on where bands aren't getting paid royalties like sue us. What are you gonna do to us? You're gonna you're gonna sue me? And I'm going to countersue you with your royalties. So just get in the wheel and spin around like a hamster. But they've done a really great job. The booklets are amazing. The sound quality is awesome. They're they're bonus tracks. We found a cassette of one of our first rehearsals in the Pink House. So we included those on one of the, I think, group sex. And then the re-release of Wild in the Streets has some live performances of some of the songs. So it's pretty crazy. They're really good. Joe Nelson's a really good guy. He's... Uh, releasing, they've released um, a Seven Seconds album. They're getting ready to release a second Seven Seconds album. They've released Aggression. He's getting ready to release uh, SSD, Al Barley's um, band from Boston. Um, They tracked down Bob, who was one of the main characters, one of the main characters in aggression. He, he was living up in, um, Ventura. He just died recently, which is really sad. Um, they, 
They're going to be putting out some uh, Youth Brigade records, some of the stuff that was released on uh, BYO. I can't keep up with all of it. Right. Yeah, it I've seems just, like they're doing I've a lot. Got too, I've got too much stuff going on to like be like their spokesperson. <laughs> right, I right. Will, I will say if, if you're a band and you put out music and you didn't get paid and you own your music, you know, you should contact them. For sure. Um, so let's talk also a little bit about Group Sex, just the album itself. Um, I mean, I feel like that record really is one of the ones that helped invent hardcore. Um, did you realize at the time that you were doing so innovative, something so innovative? Uh, and were you calling it hardcore yet at that point? We weren't paying attention to any of that. We were just going with it. We, you know, it was called punk rock. We didn't know it was hardcore. We did not think about any of that. Things were moving so fast. It was like, it was difficult to keep up with everything. And it just, it became this ball of energy and it was just, it it was going wherever it was going to go. And a lot of it, we had no control over. When we recorded that record, we had no idea that it was going to be like part of the blueprint for a genre of music called hardcore. Black Flag was the same way. The Bad Brains were the same way. Minor Threat were the same way. DOA were the same way. We were just doing it. We weren't sitting around going, well, guys, um, we're creating something here that nobody has ever created before. and our egos are inflating to the point where uh, you're going to have to tie a rope around my leg to keep me from floating away. None of that, nothing like that ever happened. We just did it. We went with it. You go for it and you do it. No, that makes sense. Um, I, at that time, though, you know, a lot of, I guess that wasn't too long after, I guess, like first wave punk. Um, but at that point, like a lot of the earlier, bigger punk bands were kind of maybe becoming more like new wave bands. Um, was there at least any level of like a reaction to that? Like, were, were you kind of like, you know, we don't like, was there any sort of, sort of like intentional reaction to be like, we're going to solidify, like we're doing the fast, short punk thing. Like, we're not going to, you know, sound like a new wave band. Never thought about that. Mm. These are these are all things you're bringing up. These things that never affected us. <clears throat> now I'm gonna I'm I'm going to um, let you know that what you consider to be the first wave of punk rock bands to me would be the second wave of punk bands. Because we had a situation here where we had Riot on the Sunset Strip back in the 60s. And you had bands like Love. Uh, just pulled out my little red book. Dun, 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 dun. That's a punk rock song. 
mm-hmm. there's a punk rock song. There's um, the Standells. Sometimes good guys don't wear white. Tell your mama and your papa. Bam, bam, bam. Sometimes good guys don't wear white. In fact, Minor Threat covered that song. Yeah. Okay, you had the the doors. Even though if you listen to you you listen to these bands repertoire, you're only gonna hear a couple of songs that have that kind of angry energy. But I still consider those bands to be the first wave of punk rock. In fact, Elvis was punk rock when he started, when he got up there and he started shaking his hips and all of the parents were pissed off and the girls were going ape shit. That, that's kind of a form of punk rock without being angry and I'm going to burn things down and I don't like you and us versus you versus them. I, I, I think that the second wave of punk rock would be like your British bands, The Damned and The Sex Pistols and Sham 69. But we had our second wave, which was X and the Alley Cats and the Bags and the Dills and the Eyes and the Zeros and the Controllers, um, the Screamers, the Germs. Just like New York had their wave, um, even though they're, they're, they had new wave bands that were lumped in with their punk rock bands. Um, Talking Heads certainly did not sound like the Dead Boys or the Cramps. So I'm just, I'm just trying to correct you there steering this in a different direction. No, that's cool. And I actually agree with that. I mean, you know, like, I feel like people say things like, oh, like, who is the first punk band? Like, was the Ramones the first punk band? And it's like, well, no. I mean, there were so many punk songs before that, um, including, like, you know, a lot of the stuff you mentioned. And uh, I agree. I mean, I feel like there were, I feel like there were almost songs that count as punk as far back as rock and roll. Um. Well, you have the Beatles, I'm Down, Help is kind of a punk rock song. Um, you, you had some, the, the Rolling Stones certainly could have been punk for their time. Totally. You know, I mean, Get Off My Cloud is a punk song, I think. Street Fighting Man. Um, now, again, I mean, my perspectives, you know, obviously I didn't live this stuff. But uh, one of the things you hear a lot is that, you know, when when the punks did kind of start calling it that and made it their own thing, there was this reaction against a lot of that classic rock stuff or against a lot of the hippies. I mean, you're talking about a lot of hippie bands before from Laurel Canyon. Like, did you like has your perspective on on that stuff changed over time? Like, did you always like that stuff or did you kind of hate on it when you were younger? Like, because a lot of punks were doing that or I grew up listening to a lot of that music. So it means, it means a lot to me. You, you have the Buffalo Springfield. See, a lot of these bands are playing protest songs. You have the Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. 
you know, the kids are out in the street. They're singing about the ride on Sunset Strip. They're just not doing it in an angry way. They're, they're explaining it the way they're explaining what, what they are explaining in the way that they do it. Um, now you, you had Credence Clearwater with Fortunate Son. That's a protest song. That's a protest song about Vietnam. And you had, um, over in Detroit, you had Bob Seger, who did a song, and it's Bob Seger's best song. It's like, all of the Bob Seger songs we hear are all of these down on Main Street, you know, all of this just like mid-tempo fucking trying to sell you a, a pickup truck or a cheeseburger. Yeah, all of that stuff is, that's not happening. But he did this Vietnam protest song and he and for years and years and years and years didn't want the album to be reissued. It's like let that album just fall into the dust. He did a song called Two Plus Two Equals Question Mark. And it's one of the greatest Vietnam War protest songs ever written, um, they get angry without being like throwing things around and smashing and breaking things and trying to club you over the head. They have, they have their own way of protest and it's all great. Yeah. I mean, I always felt like the protests of like, you know, the sort of sixties counterculture hippie movement and the punks, were really like had more in common than different. And so like, I never really got why there was such a, you know, punks. I mean, punks hated hippies. I never really got that. Um, the, the punks needed, uh, another, I guess another youth movement to dislike, mm-hmm. you know, because in the hippie movement, there was a lot of LSD and there was a lot of marijuana in the in the punk movement it was speed and downers and booze and cheap drugs plus they didn't like the doobie brothers and fleetwood mac what do you uh what do you think of fleetwood mac now i mean i feel like punks like fleetwood mac now i love peter green's fleetwood mac where there's three guitar players and they're all genius guitar players Mm -hmm. there was a point in time where fleetwood mac were one of the greatest bands in the world and i'm I'm not talking about the cocaine and champagne um get your car detailed get your hair feathered beverly hills all of that fleetwood mac and I'm not putting them down because there are some really great songs, but we were inundated by them, mm-hmm. like the Doobie Brothers. And, um, you know, there's so many more bands. It's just, and I can't think of them because I don't want to think about them. Right. That makes sense. They're, 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 they're good bands. 
they're and they're great bands on certain levels. The Eagles, let's throw the Eagles in there. I just read um, Greg Graffin defending the Eagles. They're great songwriters and they're great players and this and that. And it was like, no, fuck you, dude. Yeah, they're all of that. And they're also boring. They're also a bunch of cokeheads. They they also stand for a lot of things that we don't stand for. And maybe you're just doing this to be the contrarian. I saw the Eagles like three times and they were always great. And I enjoyed myself because I was fucking smoking pot and drinking beer and, you know, in that, in that mode. But at a certain point, when you turn on the radio and in, in, in an hour's time, you hear them two or three times, it gets to be a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's heard Hotel California on the radio like 500 times, I hear that. Yeah, and that's what, 480 times too many? <laughs> well, before you kind of defended the Doors, I mean, I really like the Doors, but they, they get hated on, you know, especially by punk and indie rock. Like, do you, do you like, you stand by the Doors? I stand by the Doors. I've watched the doors rehearse i saw the doors on the ed sullivan show yeah it's hippy dippy trippy peace and love but what's wrong with that message peace and love in in our times there's not enough of that you know we're we have all of these militias and we have all of these, you're not taking my gun away from me. The, the, the government with Joe Brandon or whatever they fucking call him, whatever those fruit baskets are calling him. They're coming for our guns. No, they're not. They don't fucking care about your gun. Unless you've got a gun that can kill a hundred people in like five minutes. Then they'll come after your gun. And they should. In fact, they should come after you. And they're, they, they're not coming after you. They're not coming after your guns. They want you to use that gun to kill some of your best friends. Show your gun off and kill your friends. So um, you're, you're doing the work for somebody else. You're doing their work for them. Yeah. Well, uh, while we're talking about hippie bands, what do you think of the Grateful Dead? You know, kind of a controversial one, so I'm curious. I know a lot of people that like the Grateful Dead. Um, I personally, if I'm at somebody's house and they're playing the Grateful Dead, I'll listen to the Grateful Dead. I own three Grateful Dead albums. I saw them in 1971. I saw them twice. During what I feel are their best two albums, American Beauty and Working Man's Dead. 
with pig pen. I saw them twice during that period and I enjoyed myself. I had a good time. I didn't walk away going, well, I hate these guys. It was just for the punks. The punks need somebody to hate. And the Grateful Dead are easy targets. So, and the same with the Eagles, the same with Fleetwood Mac, the same with the Doobie Brothers. I mean, they all have their time. They all have their place. I just, I don't, um, I, I, I have, um, I want to say four or five Fleetwood Mac albums, but not any of the music during the period where, when you turn on the radio station here in Southern California, it was all, all you were going to hear was Fleetwood Mac, Doobie Brothers, um, the Eagles, you know, maybe they'd throw in some songs by somebody else, but they just, it, it was, we were bombarded with their music and it didn't have to be that way. That makes sense. Um, and I feel like every era has got that, right? Every, like, there's always just going to be one of those bands that everybody loves to hate or that you just hear too much. Well, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask about kind of unrelated to all this, but, um, but off the first thing you put out with the new record, the new lineup was actually that Metallica cover, uh, holier than thou. I was wondering what made you choose that song? Well, we were asked to cover a song off of that record. And when I listened to it, um, I'm a fan of early Metallica, kill them all and Ride the lightning, fight fire with fire. Um, and at a certain point, they became radio darlings. That black album had like four million selling songs on it. And at a certain point, I was listening to Slayer. I was not paying that much attention to Metallica. That was not a record that I was going to run out and, and purchase. So they asked us to cover one of their songs. They didn't pick the song. They said, you pick the song, you cover it. And they were blown away by the fact that we would even consider covering one of their songs. Lars came to an off show up in Oakland because his son asked him, do you know any of the guys? Can you introduce me? You know, can, can, can I meet the guys in the band? So Lars became a fan of ours by actually witnessing us play. So we hung out with Lars afterwards and we hear all of the complaints. Oh, he's a lousy drummer. He's this, he's that. The dude's, the dude's fucking written probably half of their material. And, you know, we saw the documentary where they're in the office with their psychologist or their psychiatrist or their brain surgeon or the guy who's looking for a new brain for James Hatfield or, you know, whatever. It's, they're, they're still a great band and you can't take anything away from them. 
when we turned in our song, the reason we chose that song was because three of us listened to that record. And three of us zoomed in on that particular track. So it was obvious that was the song that we were going to record. And that was the first opportunity for this new lineup to play as a band, record as a band, learn the song as a band. And then we did the video. Mm -hmm. We actually talked them into giving us enough money to make a video. Nice. I mean, it's a very cool song and the cover's great. Thank you. Um, so it's a little bit related. Uh, Circle Jerks have an upcoming show with the Misfits. Um, did you ever play with the Misfits with Danzig back in the day? Once. Once? They were added to a show that we played up in Goleta, which is up by Santa Barbara. It was a Golden Voice show. It was uh, uh, very early on. Golden Voice shows. Golden Voice eventually became like the punk rock new wave um, promoters here in Southern California. You know, they they were the ones that brought over GBH and the Exploited and Discharge and Broken Bones and English Dogs. And then uh, they also brought over Alien Sex Fiend and they brought over Susie and the Banshees and The Cure. They were the ones that would take on all of the bands that all of the other promoters wouldn't go near. And at one point, we were doing shows at the Olympic Auditorium where there would be 5,000 people at the show. That's amazing. And that went on for about, I want to say, maybe three years. And then it got to the point where there were so many people showing up that they couldn't get in that they would be out in the parking lot creating problems. And finally the LAPD said, we've had enough. You don't get to do this anymore. So what was the show with the misfits? Um, we played up in Goleta Valley, which is up near Santa Barbara. And they were so loud that they were undiscernible. It was like the only way you could hear, you you could understand the song was when Glenn was singing, if you could hear his voice, if you could hear his vocals. Well, are you, uh, are you looking forward to seeing him in 2022? Yes, I am. That's going to be a fun show, New Year's Eve. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be great. Well, we could probably have kept this going for a while, unfortunately, has to end. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast to chat. All right, Andrew. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you as well. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Cheers. Thanks so much to Keith. Thanks for listening. Go check out the new off album and pick it up on super limited orange vinyl in the Brooklyn Vegan shop, shop.brooklynvegan.com where you'll also find cool vinyl variants of Austin new reissues, the Circle Jerks reissues, and lots of other cool stuff. And before we go, I actually also want to shout out another podcast that I've been digging recently, The Record Process. 
It's co-hosted by Casey Cavalier of The Wonder Years, whose singer Dan Campbell was actually recently on our podcast, and producer, mixer, engineer Tom Conran. As the name The Record Process implies, they usually interview a musician and get into the process behind one of that musician's records. Uh, there's a great episode with Anti-Flag that I really love, uh, and there's a new one I like a lot with Joe from Algernon Cadwalder about that band's 2011 album, Parrot Flies. It was recorded right before Algernon went on their reunion tour, which they're on now, and I've heard really good things about the tour. And there's a really cool story behind that record. It was their second album, so there was a little more anticipation there. They had a little more expectations to meet, and it became their last album. They kind of unexpectedly had to break up not long after it was finished. So Joe tells the story behind that record, and there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff that he talks about. So. Go check that out. Stream the record process. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. See you next time.